0: her. No more vacation. You know what? We need you here. You're too critical. Coming from you, Kenny, a guy, a, a guy who knows the parameters of vacation very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is is it's it a two week <laughs> over here. Six
2: weeks now for the year. Is just you, just weeks? go on
0: vacation, Judd. Uh, we won't miss you, Mackie. You stay. Poor. I'm going to take off then. I'll see you guys later. Bye bye. So I'm, I'm going to give birth to a cheesesteak sandwich later today. If you'd like to watch. <laughs> oh no! Going to throw that out there. No, no, no thanks. thanks. What? They <laughs> might actually put me in the. You st- sure, you want him around? They might put me in the like? State Fair birthing center.
1: You sure this was a good idea, Kenny? Uh, I think I better rethink this. Okay,
2: thanks. Gross. Bye. Ding, ding. <laughs> to left field. Benintendi over. Oh Won't we'll get goodness. there. And Garver delivers. Dozier will score. And Garver gets the first Twins extra base hit to put them in front. <laughs> Got him. Yes. Wow. Nice. Came back from 3-0 to strike out Bradley. I don't have any hair. I don't know what to say about the ninth. (laughs) Other than that, um, it would have been a good game to just come up here and have someone tell me what happened. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's kind of been his M.O. You know, he's going to deal with some base runners and find his way out of it. And, and I'm glad he found found a way to do it tonight, especially after 3-0. Dude,
0: the arrow. I love the yeah. arrow after that. Base is loaded. Oh, three run on third. 3-0 count. you got to pump three pitches in the strike closed zone. Closed his eyes.
1: Last two. Said, I closed my eyes and threw the ball. Had and no it, idea where the ball was going. And it worked. Oh, it was great fun You like
0: to the The grapefruits. To instantly reach for your arrow after that and hey, turn towards center field it's is what he so does. amazing.
1: <laughs> it's instinct, man. He gets that save. He's got to reach for the arrow. Never it's a our doubt. Our guy, Fernando.
0: Uh, here's a tweet from Josh. This is actually... This is my, this is before the game yesterday. So this is... The, the Twins were in the middle of... It's it, four games in a row now. Four-game win streak. Yeah. He tweets, I promise this is not coming from a Pollyanna Twins fan, but for the health of your show and dedicated Twins fans like myself, I don't think Judd should be allowed to discuss the Twins anymore. It's just so difficult to listen to. To be clear with with you guys, I love Judd, but he's just in a really bad place with the Twins and should maybe just take a break for a bit. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I'd love to start the I'm show terrible, with some twins I'm discussion. In a terrible if you're place. just going to bring us, if you're no, just going to crash game. the plane, no, it was a fun game last night. There's seven, what seven back in the well, loss. I can column.
1: have a very, I can have a very in-depth and, and insightful conversation about uh, last night's game and how much fun that game was to watch, and and the fact that Gibby was fantastic again. And I can also have a realistic conversation from a 10,000-foot view that this team is still very much where it is. But nonetheless, that was fun to watch. But he's right.
0: You know what? What's happened on the show this week? I am in a bad place with the Twins. Hey, I agree with that. Has he just been like, we, they've, they've won every game this week, basically. We has he talked, just been trashing them all week no, in my absence?
1: No, because we barely talked Twins on the Thursday show. I think you asked a question about him in questions, and that was the only conversation.
2: I asked two about them yesterday uh-huh. you know, after the sweep of Toronto. Let's say things go well in Boston. You know, I, the question is basically, when will you admit that it's happening? And Judd, you know, well, it's never going to be happening, so give up on it. And yeah, he was very negative every time I brought up twins, even pre-show. Ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. We can't do that. I hate this stupid ball club. Yeah. We got to talk Vikings because at least there's hope.
0: Yeah, I, Josh puts it very well. It's a bad place. The relationship is soured completely. I think it's safe to say Kyle Gibson. It's been it's been a year now for Kyle Gibson, and that dude goes out in the eighth inning. He was already at a hundred pitches, and he's just shoving against these lineups now. And I think I think if we're looking for things that are obviously positive, Kyle Gibson, it's no longer a fluke. He's he's a different guy. He's missing bats. He's doing it against that lineup, mm-hmm. like Mookie Betts in the middle of the lineup. He was great last night. Um, hundred twenty pitches, which
1: is. Remarkable now. Yeah. It's it, it's a damn shame that Jack or Bert didn't work last night because they would have been very, very excited <laughs> as they Standing talked in, As in they the talked box. to their buddy Bramer about the fact that I get, that a starting pitcher was allowed to throw 120
2: <sighs> pitches. Except then they would said, why isn't he coming out for the ninth? You know, you're probably right.
0: You're probably <laughs> right. finish what you started. Kyle. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But with all with all of that said, Kyle Gibson. Is on the record with this narrative, uh, Fernando Rodney last night, Brian Dozier for like two years. This don't give up on us front office narrative, and that's where the Twins are at right now. Four games in a row, they've, so they've they've gotten back into it again, sort of. If you want to stretch after the uh, the sweep against the the uh, the Royals, where do you stand on this this narrative? That I love hearing it from the players. Like I want the players to always think, yes, we are. machine and we're going to push forward and we are going to we are the best team in the division and we're like i want the players to to always think that but i don't think the front office can get sucked into that here what five days before the trade deadline i think you can say this team is playing the way that it probably should have several months ago yep but they also had a hundred games to put themselves in position to be buyers and so i'm not going to fault the front office sorry kyle gibson Fernando rodney brian Doge. i'm not going to fault the front office for trading away all of you guys when you had 100 games to set yourself up in the American League. And I I think so from from day
1: one that they brought in Falvey to run the show, we basically, I think, both agreed that it it was going to take some time to see how they move and what they do. And so so you could make assumptions about what their plan was going to be, but you didn't know for sure. I think the fact that they made uh, two probably significant subtractions at the deadline last year with what I thought was a lot more of a hopeful and better ball club uh, is 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 telling for what they're going to do this time. I think they are going to be I don't think that these guys are going to be controlled one bit by the by the uh, sweep of the blue Jays and now the win against Boston on Thursday. All of that being said, the one thing that I'm very, very curious about is they are going to get calls on Gibson now. There's no question and they're probably going to get some calls that are very interesting and they might get some some offers that are attractive. That's the guy I'm curious about. Because I don't know on, on that, that one. I mean, this does appear to be him, and I am shocked by
0: it. A year ago, I said, just forget about it. Um, but so- it, it. But it shouldn't be, this is the thing, Like I'm not ripping you. It shouldn't be that shocking that one of the best college pitchers in the country, who was a first top half of the first round draft pick, who threw mid-90s with movement, Yep. and is like six foot. But we six. agreed like, a year ago. We both agreed though,
1: because he'd walk around and he, and he would and his head would be hung, and it was like, what are you doing? It was a, it and was a decade like, of being pulled down, op- exactly. But I think Dozier's gone. I think. Uh, Zach Duke is probably gone. Rodney might be gone. Rodney's if, gone, if, right? Yeah. If they can get a bag of potatoes for Lance Lynn, I think he's gone. He is a bag of potatoes. The Yes, he is. The one guy that I'm curious about is, do they say that, that what they're seeing from Gibson now makes him worthy of keeping and extending contract-wise, or do they get a team that calls up and says, we'll give you two really good prospects, and that's
0: the one I don't know about? Well, here, here's the good news. They actually have a lot of leverage on Kyle Gibson. They don't really have a lot of leverage on the guys who, who are expiring in two months from now because now you have to make a decision okay Brian Dozier do we take any prospect here for for rent a Dozier or do we risk getting to the end of the year and Nick Gordon should be the second baseman going forward because Dozier's 30 31 do you risk offering him the 17 million dollar qualifying offer to get a first round pick I mean you don't really have a lot of leverage here with Dozier with Gibson I think you do because you could take him into next year, final year of his contract, which is very team friendly. It's it's gonna be third year of arbitration and I forget what he makes this year, like five and a half or something. So he might make let's say seven point five or eight million dollars next year. Mm-hmm. Which for a guy who's been pitching as well as he has, that's a fifteen to twenty million dollar open market arm. Absolutely. Although I I would have said that before this last offseason, I would have said Lance Lynn was like a fifteen million dollar arm too. But the point is you could take Kyle Gibson into next year and ride the wave if you thought you were going to contend in the division. Trade him at the deadline. He's still going to have value as a rented pitcher if he's a number three starter, maybe even a playoff rotation starter. So the only way I would trade Gibson is if you either packaged him with Dozier or Escobar or on his own were able to get something amazing. If you were to get someone's number two overall prospect, some pitching desperate team. Um, But I think the lack of buzz surrounding him and the fact that it's possible the trade market has dried up with a lot of these teams. I mean, the Cubs just pitchers traded are for trade. right? That's correct, yeah. And he, got traded the American yesterday. League only has five or six teams looking to pull the trigger, period. So and a lot right. of them already have done that. Like yeah. The Indians aren't going to trade for Kyle Gibson, I don't think. How about the Brewers? The Brewers they would be an obvious The Brewers intrigue me.
1: Mm-hmm. Because the, the, Brewers, the Brewers got uh, Soria from the White Sox yesterday, but they still need starting pitching. And it, this goes back to the conversation that we had last week, which is if you go to the Brewers and you say, all right, Gibson and Dozier. Mm-hmm. And Dozier is gonna be gone probably, but he he can help you for the stretch run and Gibson you can
0: keep now you're talking about I think getting two really good prospects at least two really yeah. good prospects but then, but then the other side to this is if you feel like so you've you're kind of hovering around 500-ish, let's say this season you're gonna maybe you'll finish a couple games below 500, but you think Buxton and snow are gonna give you something next year that you're gonna you're gonna have a team that can compete for a playoff spot next year. Kyle Gibson would be a really valuable piece I of that rotation. Part of the dilemma. Right, exactly right. So I would, I, w- I would not just give him away. At oh no, all. no, 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 no way! It would have to be, it would have to be two things that you thought were going to not like low right. A prospects. It would have to be guys that you thought were going to be ready to roll maybe next year for you. Recklessly
1: speculating. Let's say you keep Gibson, and you're always looking to add pitching. Correct.
2: Reckless speculation.
1: Let's say you're going to keep him, and let's say you're gonna. Let's say you're going to. So you're going. To, you're going to ship off the guys who are probably going to leave, but that's not. That's not going to hurt your club for the long term. And you're always trying to accumulate pitching. Tampa Bay is making moves right and left. Chris Archer is being talked about again. Do you go back to the Rays and say Miguel Sano's lost twenty pounds. He's playing pretty well at Rochester. We're going to come to you with
0: a package for Chris Archer. Let's discuss that in long form here. Let's let's break a minute early here. It was completely reckless on my part by the way. <laughs> no, it's not that reckless. I mean it's we we've done it reckless before speculation. I mean, we had this conversation la- actually I know. The, part of this talker is how much different is that conversation now? Because I, I would argue that Chris Archer's value has come down just because uh, it's another year off the contract. He hasn't he's been good this season. He's not he hasn't been, gre- been lights out this he season. He has not been. That's correct. Uh the guy that was being bandied about in the spring training portion was Max Kepler. Yes. He's been bad this year. Yep. Miguel Sano's name was bandied about. It. He's been non-existent. Yes. So all the pieces that were and, rumored are all. And and
1: my question is based around this. I very much believe that this team can contend in
0: a big way to be very good in 2019. Let's let's dive into that. Let's uh, let, also uh, we're going to make our official Mr. Mankato picks today. I think Royce would prefer, according to his Twitter account that I've been reading this week, to call it the Egan Everyman. Yeah, that's his deal. That feels a little try-hard. He's got his own deal. We've got ours. Is he doing an Egan Everyman?
1: Let's just say he he Do we have a competing gas
0: station across the street?
1: I believe there was a threat to go there. Okay. Even going as far as asking what our rules were.
0: I'm glad that we can produce content for that show. That's all I'll say. (laughs) But we're going to do that at noon. Matthew Collar will join, and we will. We'll everyone in this room and Collar will make official Mr. Mancera predictions. Uh, Chris Singleton in the eleven o'clock hour, Hall of Fame weekend this weekend. Should we even? Should we unveil our? Let's let's just say we have a returning guest to the show at eleven o'clock. A returning guest, one of our favorite guests in the history of the Mackey and Judge show, and we haven't had him on in a while, and uh, he will join us at eleven o'clock. Write that down. Predictions at ten o'clock. And we have Minnesota United tickets to give away for Game Show Friday. We've got Red Cow, Red Rabbit, free food and free drink to give away. Mackie and Judd till 1 o'clock in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On
2: 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue.
0: What now? What now? Let me tell you
2: what, that Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
0: Now, maybe this is the team that gets him back on the right path. And strike
2: call. And a cut and a miss. Slider gets him.
0: Freddie Freeman, there's a swing and a miss. Strike three. Luke Bailey is retired. And Archer gets his sixth strikeout. Flying inning. He is, since the basin by Diaz, retired eight in a row.
2: And there is strike three call. He gets bets looking, and he got him looking. Martinez trying to coax the
0: walk. Should we go with this email? Those are those are Chris Archer highlights. It's, obviously, it's,
1: it looks credible, and I think that's that's enough for. Actually, I think if we preface it with our reckless speculation tag, we're fine. You're right because
0: it's not. We're not breaking news. That's a good point. It's a good. It, it, it actually washes our hands clean if this email yeah. is not out.
2: Reckless speculation. We'll
0: get back to the Chris Archer reckless speculation here in a second. But uh, the Mackie Judd show is not responsible for what you're about to hear. Loyal emailer and listener Matt, Matt D. He emails Trade Gibson. There's reportedly a trade on the table with the Brewers right now. According to sources, I don't know where this is from, but you know what? Again, like Judd said, reckless speculation. We are uh, at arm's length. We're distancing ourselves as we spread it. Go ahead. According to sources, the Brewers offered Brent Phillips, Freddie Peralta, and Gene Carmona for Kyle Gibson and Eduardo Escobar. Um, I believe isn't Freddie isn't Freddie Peralta the dude who's already made nine starts for them this season? I could be wrong. They, one of their top pitching prospects has come up and has made a bunch of starts for them this season, and he's been really, really good. Uh, Brett Phillips is maybe even a former Astros prospect. Who's he's an outfielder. Yeah, he's ranked
1: tenth in, in the rankings in the Brewer system that I'm looking at right now.
0: Yeah, Fre- uh, Freddie Peralta. I don't know this. This this would be an be, if I'm the Twins, I pull the trigger yesterday on this. So Freddie Peralta is 22 years old. He is one of the top two or three prospects in the Brewers organization, but he's already made eight starts for them. He's he's yeah four and two with mm-hmm. a three seven four ERA. And twelve strikeouts per nine innings right now for them. Like I would rather have him for the next six years and maybe even for this stretch run than Kyle Gibson for a year and a half. So I don't I guess I don't know if I understand although the Escobar component is uh yeah. when you add Escobar that's to it, good. if you could yeah, get if you could get Freddie Peralta in this deal, I mean It's an absolute Uh, no-brainer.
1: Brett Phillips, it's Brett, is ranked uh, 10th in their system. He's an outfielder. And then their 15th-ranked prospect is this Gene Carmona, who is a shortstop. Yeah, if you got offered this, you'd probably do it.
2: Reckless speculation. With no regard for
1: human life. And guess what? Once again, Escobar strikes me as the exact type of guy who you say, we're trading you to a situation where where you're going to have a chance to compete in the playoffs. And if you'd like to come back, we'll take you back.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, would you rather have Escobar back or Dozier back on a three-year contract, same money? Escobar. Me too. Versatility. You're younger. Versatility as well. Uh, I
1: like him a lot. I think he's really well-liked. Right. I, uh, But I like a guy. Ba- baseball, like basketball to me, is becoming the more things that, that you can do in the field, the better. Yeah. So if you can play third base, and now you can play a day at short, and now you can play second, and, and if I have to stick you in the outfield, you can
0: do it. I'd rather have that player than Dozier. All right, so here's part two of our...
2: reckless speculation.
0: little deja vu here. This is from ESPN.com's Jerry Krasnick, a story that came out yesterday. Trade talk we're hearing. Will the Rays deal Chris Archer? The Tampa Bay Rays jumped into the trade deadline fray Wednesday and sent Nathan Eovaldi to the Red Sox for prospect Jalen Beeks. Ivaldi is a pending free agent. Yada yada yada. Now the question remains: Are the Rays bold enough to trade Chris Archer to a contender, or anyone between now and July 31st? And the Twins have said for two years now, even even last year when they were at when they were sellers at the deadline, they've said if we're sellers, but if we could get a team control guy back, we'll we'll make any trade. Mm-hmm. And and so put them in that category. And they've already had conversations about Chris Archer going back to this off season. The Rays approach the deadline with a focus on moving Eovaldi and fellow short-timers Wilson Ramos, Sergio Romo, Carlos Gomez, and uh, Heshaveria. But they're also interested in continuing to explore Chris Archer deals. The wild card in the equation is Archer, whose situation is complicated, to put it mildly. The Rays feel obligated to listen to offers because of the hall of young talent Archer would bring in. But this feels like a deal more tailored for the offseason season. Um, because more teams might have interest. Sure. So, obviously, if you could get them to bite on Max Kepler again, I, I, would, I would have traded Max Kepler last offseason, but if you could get them to bite on Max Kepler, which is the guy that they wanted back in March, I don't know if... I mean, Miguel Sano's value is zero right now. There's almost no way you could get anyone not right. to trade for Miguel Probably Sano. Probably not, right
1: not right this second, but if you could get Sano back here, and he he supposedly, I, I think the strip had, had it that he's lost 20 pounds. Uh, And I guess a couple nights ago at Rochester, he made a couple of very nice defensive plays. So if you could get him back up here and get him right for the month of September, I think you could then, I think his value certainly would not skyrocket, but I think it might be enough to include him. I just don't know that I have faith that any changes that he makes in his life are going to be permanent. So it'd be very tempting to me to say, all right, let's let's rehabilitate him to the point where he looks good enough. Mm-hmm. Let's prop him up. Let's get a month from him because yeah. he, he's going to hit home runs, and then let's go back and mm-hmm. see what we could possibly get.
0: The Freddie Peralta thing is is really intriguing, and I and I I saw a story a couple days ago. I was in, I was in Philly, just mostly eating cheesesteaks and at this awesome podcast convention. But I was keeping up with MLB trade rumors, and and there are rumors that the Twins and Brewers have been in discussions about multiple players and the, these big deals. If you could, so forget about Archer for a second. I would take Archer. I think if you're the Rays, you have no obligation. He's got three years left on his deal. He's in his prime. Um, he's probably a really, really good number two and sort of a poor man's number one right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but he would slot in very nice behind Barrios in the way he's trending. Yes. But if you could deal expiring contract Escobar and a year and a half of Kyle Gibson and get essentially six years of Freddy Peralta, who, again, he started eight games for the Brewers this year. He's 22 years old. He strikes out everybody. All throughout the minor leagues, he struck out everybody. So he's one of those guys who's going gonna to walk. He's not going to give you eight innings on a regular basis. He's going to put guys on base. But if you went into next year and you had 23-year-old Jose Barrios, 23-, 24-year-old Fernando Romero, 22-, 23-year-old Freddy Peralta, Yeah. And then Jake Odorizzi for another year. Um, who knows what Steven Gonsalves becomes. I mean, that is just that trio of 23 to 24-year-old dudes all under team control for at least four years. Mm-hmm. That sounds pretty good. You, that, can go to, you can go to war with those arms. Absolutely. And then you, can, and you still have money because Maurer comes off the books and Lance Lynn comes off the books. Uh, Logan Morrison probably comes out the books. You could add some sort of veteran starter to that group, too. Then that's a legit starting rotation. Look, if I distance myself right now from how I feel
1: about the 2018 Twins, because it's become complicated, and I can't stand them for the most part, but if I distance myself from that, and you know what? They get hot and play well. This It's going to be fun, and that's fine. That's great. But if you look at what this organization can do, and if you get Sanoa and Buxton, or at least one back in 2019— and and you start and you make a trade. And you trade Gibson and you get a kid like this. And now now your pitching looks pretty damn good. There is no reason why in 2019 you can't come back. And I'm not saying contend and be a nice club. I'm saying win the division and make mm-hmm. a playoff run. Like, I don't look at this team right now. If this team, if this team fumbles and stumbles and gets it all turned around, and Cleveland, which is a really weird team that I don't get, but if Cleveland completely comes apart and, and the Twins somehow, by an act of God, make the playoffs... They might get a break here or there, but but probably not. But if this team makes the right moves right now, we're not talking about 2022. We're not talking about 2021. We're talking about a team that can come back next year and with a couple of things tweaked and turned around, mm-hmm. win that division, and, and and make a playoff run. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, it's not that difficult, I don't uh,
0: think. On the flip side, I do think about if if... If what we expected to happen, which is a playoff run and compete with the Indians this year, if, they, if that had been the path they were on for these first 100 games, I do wonder what this activity would look like. I mean, what would, what, if it was flipped around and they were seven games above 500 and they were right there neck and neck with the Indians, I think they'd be buyers. I'm, they would for sure be buyers. And I'm wondering, like, what conversation we'd be having. I'm, I'm wondering, would they be trading Fernando Romero for, would they have been in on Manny Machado? Would they would they have been the team that traded for those two they'd Padres the relievers? Right, right.
1: They they probably they would probably be doing. Yeah. I I don't think that they would ever mortgage enough future to go get a Machado type of player. Mm-hmm. But I think what Milwaukee's doing right now, if the Twins were actually very competitive, is exactly what they'd be doing. Yeah.
0: Can I give the Brewers credit too here? I don't know if I've ever done this. Like the, I don't think about the Brewers ever, and the Brewers are ne- like I don't think the Brewers are going to win the World Series and. And they're kind of this middling franchise. They'll pop up and make a playoff appearance once every few years, and whatever, right? They're just kind of this meh franchise. Yeah. They 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 rarely, if ever, put together. I mean, when they had Robin Yount and Paul Molitor, they were they were relevant. There were fewer playoff spots, but they're they're not going to give you the six or seven straight years of playoffs and topping. They pop up, but, but what they do when they do pop up, and this is what the Twins really haven't done ever, when they're in a position. And they're neck and neck for a division, and they and they might be able to add a piece or two and go for it. They always do, right? CC mm-hmm. Sabathia. I was going to say that's the big one. They traded that cost them a lot, but kind of like the, the the centerpiece in that trade, I believe, was Matt Laporta. If you remember him, he was that. Yeah, he, he went to college at Florida, and Matt Laporta was the top hitting prospect in all of baseball. And he was a Brewer. He was in their farm system. He was Double A AA or Triple A, and he was and and you thought this is going to be a ten year masher. And he did nothing in the major leagues. But at the time, it was like, this is our prized prospect. Bleep it. Let's trade him and two or three others for like two months of CC Sabathia. They went and got, and got beat. from Kansas City. Yep, great was another one. I, I think one. they traded
1: uh, Kane to Kansas City, who, who's now back there, in that trade. Lorenzo Kane. Yeah. And it,
0: I believe, was it Lorenzo Kane? Um, Elcides Escobar was a Brewers prospect. And that was it, yeah. And maybe even Jaco Dorizzi? Might have bounced around in there, but yeah, it was, I think, it was a halt. I think that's correct. And in both cases, I don't even know if they made it to the NLCS. Yes. They certainly didn't make it to the World Series. But so you could look back and say, "Oh man, they gave up. They gave up future pieces that could have sustained their success for a win now moment, mm-hmm. and it failed because they didn't win the World Series." But you know what? For those fan bases, like the, once every five or ten years, when the Brewers are relevant, they come out and they say, "Bleep it, yeah, they go for it. Let's do this." And there is. There was a time in 2003, 2006, 2010, where the twi- two thousand ten, the Twins could have landed Cliff Lee. Uh, we don't want to put Aaron Hicks on the table. <laughs> Which you then did after the fact. Yeah. Um, they could have landed, was it Alfonso Soriano in 2006? Uh, we don't want to put Matt Garza on the table. I don't know about whatever the, the next guy was. Right. So I, I tip. Tipped- well, I tip I think, my cap to the Brewers for making aggressive moves I and always being in these conversations. Part
1: of the difference in what you're saying was, was this, though. The Twins became, and rightfully so, the Twins became convinced uh, with, with the team that, that made the playoffs for the first first time in 2002 that they were going to be competitive for a long time. And so they thought to themselves, we're not going to mortgage the future of our competitive teams for this, which might have been a tactical mistake where the Brewers literally just pop up. Like, they'll just be good and they'll say, okay, we'll make two trades. Yeah. And then they'll be, and then next year they'll be third or fourth. Mm-hmm. And then in five years from now, they'll pop up again. But yeah, it would have been, it would have really been nice if the twins had just once said, let's just go for it. We're really good. Yeah. Let's just try and win this damn thing. Yeah.
0: And you know, and, and by not doing that, did they win more divisions and stay relevant longer? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, Matt Laporta, by the way. I got his numbers here. What was that? Tra- I'll find that trade. So he too. oh he, here was the trade. You okay. want the trade? Yeah, what was that trade? It was on July 7th, 2008. So he was uh yeah, he was the 7th overall pick in the 2007 draft. He was traded with Actually, it was it was just him and a couple others for CC Sabathia. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. And the Brewers also sent Michael Brantley. So they traded Michael Brantley and Matt Laporta, and Michael Brantley, has, is, is, if, if not for injuries, has been this awesome player uh, for, for two months of CC Sabathia. Mm-hmm. So at the time of that trade, e- easy in retrospect to say, oh, like, of course you'd trade Matt Laporta. But at the time of that trade, I think he had 24 home runs in like 100 games, drove in 90 at the time. The year before that, it was 18 bombs in 60 games. He was this crazy masher. Mm-hmm. Tweet here from Antoine. Missed part of the segment. How much truth is behind the Peralta proposed deal you spoke about between the Brewers and the Twins?
2: Reckless speculation. We have no idea. No, in fact, we can't find it.
1: But, but the e- email that we no got idea. looks really official. The names are bolded, and it looks yeah, it looks Matt like bolded it was, the
0: names like it's like from an article or
1: something. It, it looks like like Matt actually got this <laughs> off a of site and cut and pasted it, and so it Gosh. looks official enough to definitely qualify as reckless speculation.
2: We also just got a second email from Matt saying he doesn't do Twitter, but asking if we can get a hold of Doogie to see if there's anything to those rumors, <laughs> because if anyone can get something out of Falvey and Levine, it's our man Doogie reckless speculation. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, no, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackie.
0: Poke it out of the bunker, two putt for a ten. You lost the course. And then I lit myself on fire.
2: Judd Zolgad.
1: Am I just getting old and super cranky or old and sort of cranky?
2: Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Ah!
0: Yes, Green Potatoes is back. Maybe I played the wrong theme song, because I've got the Mr. Mankato odds here. You just emailed them to me. Well, then you definitely played the wrong theme song. Fire up the right theme song. We can fix it. Hold on. Dave's got it. Oh, there he is. Interesting. Mr. Mankato. I'm a little disappointed to hear that and maybe you know Chris Long was on vacation so maybe maybe he was a little bit uh, you know mentally spaced out. That you had to erase a second round draft pick from the Mr. Mankato odds report. We've yeah. been doing this for 5 seasons now. O'Neill was on this uh, sheet originally. I, the rules are very let, clearly stated. Let me, Third round pick or later. Let me defend, it's in
1: the song people. Let me defend Chris Long here and see if Dave agrees. I don't think it was Chris. I think Chris Long was sent the names and some of the descriptions by Collar. Oh, wow. I'm going to point the finger at Collar. I think Collar put O'Neal on this list, and Long just, just gave him odds. And, of course, the, the thing about Long, year after year in doing this, he's always sleep-deprived. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's doing it at, like, three. So he just gives you odds. So I'm going to blame Matthew Collar for for mistakenly putting a second-round pick on something that is clearly a third-round pick later.
2: I think there's finger-pointing to be going both ways. I mean, there's checks and balances, certainly, if Collar put him on. Long, you probably got to know, but, yeah, I mean, if Collar certainly put him on the list, I'd say it's 60% his fault, 40 maybe to Chris Long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so we should have, like, odds for whose fault it was yeah. on top of the odds for Mr. Mankato. As long as
2: it's not my fault, I'm fine with it, mm. and I had no part in this. No, it definitely wasn't your fault. Thank the, you.
0: These are just the early lines, too, right? I mean, is there, can there be movement in the line between now and noon? Oh, I think, I've, I've seen some heavy heavy movement here.
2: I think things can move but yeah noon will be the
0: time when we gotta lock it in okay so I'm just gonna can we fire up some NFL films music here because I for- <laughs> can we fire up NFL <laughs> yeah, that film? was that,
2: that's <laughs> the guy who hasn't been
1: here for a few days rhetorical question
2: Sorry. no we can't do that <laughs>
1: <laughs> We stopped doing that
0: We're very serious now we no Corporate longer edict. recklessly speculate and or fire up NFL <laughs> films music. <laughs> I'm just going to fly through these because this is the first time I've seen the odds report and I'm sure people, not everyone uh, has heard these yet. So number one odds on favorite. Actually, there are two odds on favorites. It looks like who are, who are tied at three to one. Yep. You've got one on offense, one on defense. Cornerback Holton Hill Mm -hmm. ranked as ESPN's number one undrafted free agent. Hill will have a shot to make the team. The former Texas defensive back is known as a top notch tackler and playmaker. Who could shine so long as his off the field issues aren't a problem? Mm-hmm. He didn't get arrested before uh, before reporting, right? No, he just smoked some dope. Okay, but that was that was
1: a while. Yeah, ago, but that's right? fine too. Okay, yeah, I have no problem with smoking dope. That's uh, fine. So
0: he's uh, three to one odds, also three to one, and people are calling him Adam Thielen two yep. going into the Mr. Mankato competition. Which I don't know. I feel like that's a recipe for a bust right there. That takes him I off. You got to be list. careful with that. The next Michael Jordan, like no. Sorry, I mean, there's only one Adam Thielen, Mr. Mankato. But come on. He's, he went from Mr. Mankato, undrafted, yeah. free agent, Division Two to one of the best wide receivers in the but NFL. Both these guys are white. Come on. They've got to have a lot in common. Yeah. Brandon Zilstra, The next Danny Amendola, <laughs> Adam Thielen, or Julian Edelman. A former CFL star, the former Concordia Moorhead receiver, will take a swing at carrying over his skills to the NFL. It doesn't have breakaway speed, but does have excellent hands and instincts. All right. Yep. Now, I warn you, as you
1: go through the rest of these odds, eventually you're going to find out, and I don't know why they are not in
0: order necessarily.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know what happened here. Once again, I think it was Steve and oh, okay. Chris Long. So just, it's not going to make sense the whole way through.
0: I think there's only a couple that are out of order here. It looks like uh, we have a four to one. Yep. A four to one here in Daniel Carlson, mm-hmm. the kicker that they drafted. The Vikings surprised everyone by picking him in the fifth round, despite having an established kicker. While Carlson struggled in his final year had just 74% of his field goals at Auburn, he has a massive leg and could wow during training camp and preseason. I feel like the more you're able to touch the ball in training camp, the more likely you are to win the Mr. Mankato Award, right? So wide receivers, if there was a quarterback in the mix at some point, um, kickers are going to get their own time to shine, right? They do special sessions where it's just the kicker. And preseason games. This guy is going to get
1: every opportunity to win that job. And so I fear he's going to sway this contest in a bad way. But he can't be. But Long or Collar said, can he be taken off the list? I said, absolutely not. He no, he's completely a fa- qualifies. A fifth-round pick. But he is going He's going to be a problem. Because he, if he comes in, in let's say, preseason game three and hits a 60-yard
0: field goal, we're all going to be like, oh, unbelievable. That's the thing. I would argue just because he's in line to be the starting kicker. Right? I mean, you don't draft a guy in the fifth round and then, like, Cut him for Kai Forbath. Absolutely. So I would argue that he should be the odds-on favorite. But if he makes if he makes any field goals of yeah fifty plus yards in training I, camp and looks like oh he's got some he's the next Blair Walsh at least for that one season. Uh, <laughs> another wide receiver high up on the odds report here, Mr. Mancato, 2018, Corey Robertson, one of the Vikings' highest-paid undrafted free agents. He gained 1,100 yards last year with 12 touchdowns for Southern Miss and possesses excellent strength and unique ability to break tackles and make plays after the catch. What about his catch radius? Do we know anything about his catch radius? Not yet. We'll find out soon. Uh, in open competition at depth wide receiver opens the door for Robertson to shine. And again, if you're a wide receiver like Zilstra or Robertson, yes. you get to play the entire second half of preseason games. Garbage time counts. Yep. You score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mr. Makeita points. Here's the problem, though. There, there's too
1: many of these guys competing for jobs, and so g- good luck picking one. The, yeah, the, re- they might the receiver, each other com- out.
0: the receiver competition. If you ride one, there's a very good chance you're going to be wrong. Yeah. Um, here's another one. Here we have a couple ten to ones. No, let me let me get to the other six to one first. Here it's a tight end, Tyler Conklin, a sure-handed tight end. Conklin will be battling with veteran Blake Bell for the number three tight end spot. At Central Michigan, he racked up back-to-back seasons with more than 500 yards receiving and at least five touchdowns. The Vikings' fifth-round pick should see plenty of preseason action. I feel like tight end has been kind of a disappointment in the Mr. Mankato competition. It thought Bucky Hodges was going to shine and flash. It's busted a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, A couple of running backs here up for Mr. Mankato eligibility. And now before I throw these guys out, This might be a little bit tough because Dalvin Cook is going to get work. He's coming back from the injury. Latavius Murray is out there. So it's third on the depth chart at best for these guys, right? Mm -hmm. I I feel like if you had... That's why guy who might be starting kicker ranks higher than guy who might be third running back but probably just putting out film for other teams. In Rock Thomas, a former five-star recruit out of high school, he left Auburn for Jacksonville State to get more playing time and dominated lower competition. And then Mike Boone, who was never a 1,000-yard back at Cincinnati, but he has impressive athletic traits that could make him stand out. Similar to Rock Thomas, he'll get plenty of chances in the backfield in the second half garbage time of preseason games to win the Mr. Mankato Award. Uh, Two things on this. One, Rock Thomas is the best name of
1: all time. It's a great name. I I might pick him just because his name is Rock Thomas. Uh, The second thing that I can't decide is... Are Murray and Cook going to play much in in the exhibition games, or are they sort of going to be held back a a little bit? Because if Cook makes progress in practice and things like that, I don't know how much they're going to to necessarily incorporate him into the actual Mm preseason games. So Brown and Rock might actually get a decent chance, but the problem then goes back to what I talked about at receiver, which is this. Which one do you take? I would take Rock just based on the name alone.
0: Yeah, but I that's think probably you're Probably
1: right. not a good reason to do it.
0: Because again, the strategy here it has nothing to do with the actual roster. Really, I mean, it's who's going to stand out. It has to do with who's, who's going to generate fan interest yes. and buzz, and, and
1: who who's going to get opportunity based on on position group and based on on the fact that in the case of the running backs, Murray and Dalvin Cook,
0: they might play, but I, I don't think they're going to that that much in actual games. Yeah. All right. At eight to one and i think this is dark horse territory just considering they've got a, a, a solidified backup uh, quarterback you're on, here you're on something this here. is uh Kyle Sloder yep. territory here 8 to 1 yep the vikings signed Kyle Sloter after he put together an impressive preseason with the broncos last year it's likely that every preseason fourth quarter and fourth preseason game will belong to him sheer preseason playing time is going to factor in they're not going to overexpose kirk cousins right he'll he'll play a standard amount they're not going to you know They're not going to want to uh, put their $84 million investment at risk. Kyle Slaughter is going to throw the ball a 100 times in the preseason. And don't forget, too, Kyle Slaughter was phenomenal
1: in training camp with the Broncos last year. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, the Broncos tried very hard to keep him. And I think that the Vikings actually paid him pretty well to come here. So, yeah, Kyle... If I had to pick a top three right now that I'm debating through, Kyle Slaughter, definitely on that list because he is going to get a chance. And in in preseason game four, Simeon
0: probably starts. I bet Kyle Slaughter might play three quarters. Uh, And then I'm I'm not going to go through all these here, but I feel like another dark horse could be Jack Tacho. It's his second year of Mr. Mankato eligibility, safety. He was a 7th rounder in the 2017 draft, and he started off at 12-1 to 1 going into the 2017 Mr. Mankato competition. Sometimes, when you get a look and some, maybe someone disappoints in the competition, you forget about him the next year. Oh no, there's multiple years of eligibility if a guy doesn't play in an NFL game. Yeah, that's Don't the forget deal. about Jack Tacho. I, Tocho or I, or will tell,
1: I will tell you right now, complete and utter disrespect from Long and Collar here. They dismissed him. They dismissed him immediately. They're like, ah, last year we liked him, but now we we don't care. So if you go here, it's going to take some guts because those guys those guys are convinced that he's going to have no I- impact. I think you I think you might be closer to being right. Also, keep those in mind odds here. Are really bad.
0: So a guy like a guy like Jack Tocho, just think about circumstances in which he will be on the field. He's a safety now. And he's going to be playing in the second half of bad preseason football games against bad opposing quarterbacks who might throw errant passes over the middle, tipped by linebackers. All you have to do is play center field, pick off a couple passes. I mean, hell, Audie Cole picked off two tipped interceptions a couple years ago. They were brought to the house, house right? The I mean, if you're just playing center field in the yep. second half of a preseason game against crappy hyphenated college quarterbacks, basically, yep. you could... Jump out and flash in the Mr. Mankato competition. So that's I the do, odds report.
1: I do believe that that in in is this year five of this four? Yeah, okay, it's crazy. I do believe that in year five you have never had a field this bad. The the field which has really? been set at forty to one. What if do you mean you this bad? If look at the field, if you look at the field, very few skill position guys so i'm I'm sorry the field meaning the remainder oh, of the contestants okay. not just the entire thing oh, no, the, the field, the field, is field 40,
0: the field is forty to one yes by the, way. The, f- the guys that that basically weren't mentioned and
1: there. if you examine the field it's very few skill position guys and so there there have been times where the field has been tempting I think long last year might have taken the entire field uh
0: this year it is uh very weak they do have a fourth quarterback on the roster this uh Peter is it Pujols. Puhalls, Puhalls, I believe what we're going with. I think that's what they told us. Yeah, Puhalls. Where did he play college football?
1: Um, he played. Yeah. Oh, he was. Uh, he was yeah. good. Let me see here. Let's, I've really got really good. I've got the entire so the roster. I've got the roster right here. I've got the breakdown. Peter pool holes. Oh He's a 23 year old kid. He's not bad. I Six one. Good size. Uh, He's got big hands. Uh, he is an undrafted free agent signed from Holy Cross. Yeah, Holy, Holy Cross, Cross Crusaders,
0: baby. Wow. Yeah, way to go, Peter Pajolos. Not going not to not work here anymore. Uh, write that down, predictions, in about 15 minutes. We have one of our favorite all-time Mackie and Judd guests. Hasn't been on the show in a while. We'll rejoin the show at 11 o'clock today. Uh, Chris Singleton on Baseball Hall of Fame and... Trade rumors and all those things in the 11 o'clock hour. It's a game show Friday. We've got free Red Cow, Red Rabbit food and drinks. We've got Minnesota United tickets to give away. Let's talk for a moment about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities here. Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. In fact, right now, uh, because we're we're getting toward that time where 2019 models are going to start popping up here uh, in the coming weeks and months. And so right now, the best deal you can find on a 2018 Corolla is now. So get out, go check out the website too, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. The 2018 Corolla, so I drive a 2016 Corolla, and, and we've we've seen technological upgrades, uh, exterior upgrades. I love the Corolla because of its gas mileage, its durability, and you get all of the things that go along with, uh, with Toyotas right now. Like I said, you get the Entune system, uh, Bluetooth connectivity and safety features that will keep you and your family with peace of mind as you travel around, road tripping around up north, wherever it may be uh, these last couple months of summer. Again, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. Or you can stop by the website, Luther Brookdale. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL
2: Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. The United are in Vancouver this Saturday to take on the White Caps and try to continue the winning streak. Tune in at 8.30 p.m. for the pre-match show with Brian Pyatt, followed by kickoff at 9 o'clock with Dan Terhar on the call. Catch all the action right here all season long, 1500 ESPN. Um, It certainly gives an indication, but the amount of money you make doesn't give people a desire to suddenly follow you. You know, and if I've played on a team where I made league minimum and was a starting quarterback too, and you better believe that I got a command uh, and and have a presence about me that guys want to follow, regardless of what my contract says. So, um, if you're a fake, you know your contract's not going to help you. You got to be the real deal, no matter what.
0: Yeah, I would be the opposite. I think I would just put, you know, I would just tape to the front of my helmet. Yep, the guarantees of oh, my contract. Oh, that's exactly what I would do. And I would just point at it every time somebody questioned me. See that? That's I would walk a in lot of to comments the right room. there. I would walk in. I would walk
1: in and say. 84 million guaranteed, boys. Guess who's in charge here?
0: This guy. It ain't you. Who's got two thumbs and 84 million guaranteed and is now in charge? It ain't you. This guy right here. It ain't you. So, Stefan Diggs, (laughs) Adam, I like you guys and I'm going to make you
1: stars, but guess who's in charge? Yeah. Kirk. Kirk is here to save the day.
0: Yeah. Who's the boss? Not Tony Danza. (laughs) It's this guy right here. Yeah, I'm not yeah. being
1: paid a guarant- a guaranteed king's ransom so that I can be like, I wonder when I can be I wonder when I'm going to be the unquestioned leader of this team. No, uh uh-uh, uh, you're going to listen to me from day one.
0: Uh, Collar will join us in like two hours and 10 minutes for Mr. Mankato predictions. You can find all of his Vikings work written form, audio form, 1500 ESPN.com. Real quick, we have a few minutes before we write that down predictions. I've been traveling this week. was at a fun podcast convention. I ran into uh, Ross Tucker from, he does NFL games. I think he joined us the uh, radio show. Yep. Radio Row. He's great. Yeah. In fact, the most Philadelphia thing that's ever happened is me standing in the elevator with a cheesesteak in one hand and Ross Tucker gets on the elevator. He's from just outside Philadelphia. I'm just like standing there talking to Ross Tucker with a cheesesteak in my hand, talking football. This is as oh, Philly as it gets right now. That's meat and potatoes right there. Um, but so I was uh, a little out of the loop with local sports things. I was trying to play catch up as I, as I could. This Jimmy Butler hand surgery. Yeah. So <laughs> I saw the press release the Wolf sent out and thought, that's interesting. And the way they're wording it is interesting. Yeah. Um, It's an elective surgery. Two, it's like, oh, everyone calm down. It's elective. It was okay. It was two Everything's sentences. Everything's fine here. Yeah. Their press release was two sentences Jimmy Butler had surgery. It's minor and elective. Yeah. Nothing to see here. But it wouldn't have come out if not for some random social media video. What happened? Uh, so Butler, Butler, according to Doogie, actually broached this w- without
1: with the Wolves press release not yet out yesterday on the scoop. And evidently what happened was somebody had they took their daughter to Pepperdine for she's a, a soccer player and she's in high school. And so they, they went on their, their recruiting trip to Pepperdine and he works out in the gym a lot. So he was there. So my understanding is that that he saw Butler and pulled his phone out and was like, "Oh, cool! I'll I'll shoot you know some some uh, footage of Butler working out." Well, he's got this huge wrap on his left hand, yeah. And so then I believe what happened was he sent it to a producer reporter from the ABC affiliate in Sacramento, and that guy posted it. So lo- long story short, it went from being a hidden elective surgery. Situation where nobody was gonna know to because Butler went to Pepperdine to work out, people saw it, and like a mole removal. What is it? I don't know. And it got posted, so it gets posted on Twitter, and of course, all the NBA people see it, and they're like, "Oh my god, what's wrong with Jimmy Butler?" So the Wolves then felt. I guess that they had to say something, and so they're now trying to downplay it. Did they not know? Maybe they didn't know either. Krasinski- is it possible they didn't know? I don't know about that. Now, Krasinski wrote, wrote something today about it and said a source told him that it's not a cast. It's just a rap, and that they told him he's going to have to wear the wrap for a couple of days. But he's not. But he's also not at the, the USA basketball camp in Vegas right now, which Co- he Co- ordinarily would Pop be. and both there, right? Yeah, which is going to be really, That's really comfortable. But he's not at that camp. <laughs> And so that became a question too. So it's okay. it's it's very odd, but it goes. It's his non-shooting hand, though. Yeah. But it goes. But it goes back to what we've talked about before, which is the wear and tear on this guy. And at some point in time, you can't just be like it's a non or it's an elective surgery, so that's fine. It's just something else where the way the butler plays and and goes about his game, which I admire,
0: but it takes its toll. Yeah, and I realize I'm overreacting. Like as I'm going to go down this checklist of things that went through my head when I saw this. Like okay. So we're, we're viewing Jimmy Butler through the prism of next summer, is he a guy, if things go well for the Wolves this season, like whatever that means, is he a guy that you're going to want to give a max, max contract to? Right. Like, through, like That's the prism through which I'm thinking about Jimmy Butler. Is mm-hmm. he a guy that I want around? He's going to be 29 here in, a, in like a month. Mm-hmm. Is he the type of guy that I want around for five more years? Okay, well, he misses 15 to 30 games a year. It's not good. You'd like him to play you like him to play more often and, and whatever. When he does play, he logs more minutes than almost any player in the NBA. And he's a Tom Thibodeau guy. And we've seen what happens to Tom Thibodeau guys who log minutes. It's, there's like three of them who were never the same after the age of 29, 30, which is around the age where Jimmy is. And you get the knee problems with the surgery, maybe came back and rushed it. Okay. And now he's got a wrap on his hand. Like, it's just another thing on right. this list of reasons. I'm already questioning his durability. Is he a guy that I really want to give a five-year contract to? And I know that it it might just be the final, the final card on top of a massive house of cards. I just don't like seeing him with another surgical procedure. I, if it was a mole or something, what is it though? Is I, we it like, don't know. Is it?
1: We have no idea. And and he did have a hand problem at the end of last year, according to Johnny K. They, they just didn't elaborate on what it was. And
2: it is the shooting hand. It's not the non-shooting. Oh, hand. It, okay, it was okay. on the right hand, his shooting hand. He didn't. You don't think he got a hook, do you? Took the whole thing off. Just Get a hook. (laughs) He he comes back. He's like, guys, I'm just (laughs) going to play defense. He'd be hell on defense.
0: Yes. Trying to get around him. You know he likes getting stops more than he likes getting buckets. Okay, if Jimmy Butler had a hook on his right hand, would he be any different than Josh Okogie who can't shoot, period? Like, Josh Okogie's out there playing defense and just, like, getting to the rim, basically. Well, and Jimmy Butler would be the same You swat
2: that thing, it just sticks to the (laughs) hook, too. You don't swat out of bounds, you get possession.
1: Well, I'm trying to think if you tried to go around him as well and he got the hook out, he he could basically rip your throat right out. So you'd be
0: dead. That's possible. So sure. if a player tried to go you get around kicked him, kicked out of the game. But if they like, lost their best, if they lost LeBron, because, like if
1: LeBron says, I'm going to posterize you, and he's like, No, you're not. I'm going to rip your throat right
0: out of your neck. Literally, like your, your Adam's apple is stuck to my hook. Dude, do you want to pack? Mike in Burnsville's on the show. Hi, Mike.
2: Hey, I just wanted to call and congratulate you two on your collaboration of thinking the Sabathia trade was Laporta,
0: Odorizzi, El Escobar. <laughs> but, and, but they traded those guys away. No, that was point. the Granky trade, trade, too, trade. though. Yeah. It's both trades. I actually looking it up and seeing it was Michael Brantley
2: and Laporta, so...
0: Yeah, they it's two we blended we back. blended two separate trades. They traded the other guys for Zach Grinky like a year It's the later. go for it Brewer's philosophy that, that we were discussing. And Phil Mackey, I thought I would never say this, but thank God you're back when
2: that other guy is on. Oh, I have to listen to Paul Allen and Ugh.
0: Are you you're anti Matthew Collar? Oh my goodness. Why? I love Collar.
2: It's different strokes for different folks, I guess, but Welcome back, Phil Mackey.
0: Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you, the fun. Look call. at your popularity going through the room. I mean, we can open up 1500 Vent Line again if people want. I thought Matthew did a very good job. Did he bring just fire takes? Is that what... I didn't think so.
1: I mean, a few here and there, but that's to be expected. I appreciate that. He brought levity
2: yesterday. Yeah. Reading from Judd's 2009 <laughs> training camp. Awesome. Yeah, athletes. it was great. It was fantastic. A lot of
0: John David booty. It was hilarious. I was going through some of those. I saw him. Although Phil can't those.
2: laugh too much
1: because he he was in that same boat yeah. around well, the same time. What
0: I would do and as as instructed by my former employer was instead of just live tweeting everything, log everything and then post a blog that people can click oh, on. Oh, we
1: would go back and collect our best tweets valuable.
0: and blog those. I'm
2: sure you would. Oh yeah, Texas we were. Dot com.
0: We were full service. Uh here's the trade. We were right. It was just two different trades. Yeah. 2010 Zach Greinke to the Brewers for Lorenzo Cain, Elcides Escobar, and Jake Odorizzi. And Jeremy Jeffress. Jeremy, yeah. Wait, Jeremy Jeffress, didn't he go back to the Brewers? I don't know. But like we were right. Those three guys did go. So they traded in a three-year span. Matt Laporta, Michael Brantley, Lorenzo Cain, Alcides Escobar, and Jake Odorizzi. All... Basically, their top prospects for Zach Grinke yeah. and CC Sabathia. Right, which And goes, then it didn't pay off, but back to it what, was fun for a
1: minute. Which goes back to, to what we said, which is when
0: provided the opportunity once, like every five years or so, they actually go for it. Yeah. All right. An accountability session and write that down predictions when we come back. A uh, former favorite guest of our show making his triumphant return at 11 o'clock, and it's game show Friday. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN.